I have a friend in the community that uh, has a limited Christian background, but he's also spent time looking at uh, Native American religion and such. And I try to invite him to church fairly regular. Um, I try to talk to him about the Lord more, but it doesn't always go good. You know, there are times when I feel like he's sliding forward and then there are times when he's definitely sliding back and you know I'll go I'll come out of a time where he's been very profane with me and and uh cussing a lot and and I'll just uh you know feel like I don't know if I'm getting anywhere and then there'll be other times where he'll go yeah prayers John and prayers are needed you know okay you know I'd like you to be praying you know but um that tension that we feel in presenting the gospel, I bumped up on it a couple times ago, and I'd like to go back there because all of us have this sense of responsibility to convey the message of Christ to others, and, and that's appropriate. But it doesn't always get received, and so there's this, do I just keep trying? Well, yeah. <laughs> and, and part of it is, we listen for the voice of God to guide us in those conversations. And sometimes, obviously, it's very specific. I know I need to declare this. There are other times when you're just going, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say anything today. Or there are moments when you get, no, nothing at all. And, and yet, we know that there is this need for people to hear the message of Christ. And as that happens, something awakens in hearts it's a mystery why that would take place, but it does. And so even if there is this declaration, well, I believe this way, you believe this way, you know, don't throw your religion on me, there still has to be in us a thing that says, well, Jesus Christ is the only way, the truth, and life, so this is what I'm going to continue to proclaim uh, whether we agree or not. In Romans 10, I want to walk through that passage because I think Paul was wrestling with some of the same issues in that passage. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God is for the Israelites that they may be saved. He says, this is, this is my passion. This is what I'm about. I'm pursuing this thing. I, I want my fellow Israelites to be saved. In the ninth chapter, he had made this declaration in a similar well, he says, I speak the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race, the people of Israel. He's going, we have the same heritage. They had all this base and understanding of who God is. And yet somehow they haven't understood that Christ is the answer to all things. They haven't understood that he is the, the, the culmination of all that God was aiming for and intending when he gave the law. He, that, he, that Christ was the fulfillment of all that they could be dreaming of. He says, if it were, if it were useful, I would, I would be cursed myself so that they might be saved. But... He's just saying, I, I feel anguish over this tension. Later, after this 10th chapter, the 11th chapter, 
he says, does that mean that they're all rejected? You know, because it's like, if they're not receiving it, does that mean that, they, they, that God has just turned away and he's not giving them the option anymore, that they just won't get it? He says, well, no. He says, I'm an Israelite myself. So he's saying, it can't be that because I, I got there. I found it. So he's, he's feeling this and this, you know, this desire and wish, not seeing it happen, often being persecuted as a result of his relationships with them, but he's still after it and saying, this is, this is where it's at, and, and I have to keep going down this path. Now back to Romans 10. It says, I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. He says they're very active in their religion. There are times when you meet people of other religions and you're kind of impressed with their discipline or the, their, the way that they live, you know, and some, sometimes their temperament. And you're just kind of going, that's, a, that's an impressive feature. And, and Paul's looking at the Israelites and saying, you know, they have so many things put in order. They're doing a lot of things right. And he's going, they, they just have this energy about their religion that's amazing but he says it's without knowledge it doesn't work and that's the, the tragedy of uh, of many lives is that they're running full speed they're doing everything in their power to to make themselves right but without christ they haven't <laughs> put their hearts in the right direction and so he's looking at this in his life and he's going it's just it's tra it's a tragedy to have all this energy being poured out, but without knowledge, without understanding of what truly brings salvation. It says since they did not know the righteousness that comes from God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. In other words, they attempted to make their own religion. They weren't satisfied with what he was presenting to them. And so they kind of pulled together their own thoughts and developed their own thing, somehow thinking that that, you know, they could pick themselves up themselves and somehow achieve another level. And it's impossible. And yet we see that around us, don't we? People saying, you know, this is, you know, that's, that's the way you believe, but this is what I think. Or that's, you know, that's, that's fine, but I really believe that this will do it, and this is how I'm going to participate in my religion. If it's not based in Christ, it, it has no basis in truth. No, no lasting foundation, so to speak. And, and so it can have all the zeal, it can have a number of forms and disciplines that we admire, but if it is missing the core essential truth of God sending his son to earth, if it's missing the fact that God invested of himself into humanity through his son, then it's lacking. And an honest searcher, when confronted with the gospel, something is going to come alive in them saying, there's truth here somewhere. I may not understand it right now, but there's something here and I need to respond to this. says, Christ is the end of the law, so that there may be righteousness 
for everyone who believes. Moses describes in this way the righteousness that is by law. The man who does these things will live by them. What Paul's saying is that Christ achieved everything that the law was hoping to do. Moses made this, this point. He says, if you live by the law, then you are going to achieve righteousness. Now here's the, the dirty little secret, so to speak, with that. They had the law, but it wasn't able to change their hearts, and so they still didn't live up to it. So there's this tension in their lives of saying, this is what I know I ought to be living, this is where I'm at. This is how things ought to be, this is what I'm involved in. And so this, this tension was a part of them, and, and it's addressed by the prophets. And, and there's, a, there's a question that Paul brings out from the prophets, and he says, but the righteousness that is by faith says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will ascend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. In other words, he says, you don't have to run up to heaven, or you don't have to go into the earth to try to find this salvation. You don't have to go to the end of the world. You don't have to, it's not so obscure that somebody has to do the impossible of going to heaven to find it. He's declaring, he says, it's near you. Jeremiah had made this comment in the Lord in Jeremiah 31. He says, The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them. So he says, you know, when I brought them out of Egypt... I actually, it was like a parent with a child. I held their hand and was guiding them. They still didn't get it. I treated them like a husband with a wife. I was compassionate with them, but he says, they didn't want that relationship either. That he says, this is a covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds, write it on their hearts, I'll be their God and they will be my people. What happens when you and I come to Christ is that His Holy Spirit indwells us and there's an opportunity for us to hear His voice and respond to Him and walk by His Spirit. In other words, respond to Him day by day by day. This opportunity is available to us and it cultivates in us a righteousness that God's pleased with. says, no longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. That's what Christ has done for us. When he's come and washed away our sins, and, and then the presence of God dwells in us, it gives us this ability to sense his, his voice in our lives and respond to him. And it's not just hearing what others have to say, but there is something in each of us, a sensing of the presence of God and an ability to respond to Him. Isaiah made this comment. He says, As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit who is on you, my words that I have put in your mouth, will not depart from your mouth or from the mouths of your children or from the mouths of their descendants from this time on and forever, says the Lord. 
So that's the setup that Paul's considering in this passage of Romans. And he says, what does it say? The word is near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised from them from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. He says what Isaiah was promising would happen, what Jeremiah was promising, has happened through Christ. He says what you have to do is respond where there's belief in your heart, a response of your mouth that says Jesus is Lord. In other words, it is His salvation. He is the one that is provided. He says, and the scripture says, anyone who trusts in Him will never be put to shame. For there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all, and richly blesses all who call on Him. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What an amazing thing that is. You know, that, 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 that God would, you know, He knew we couldn't run up to heaven. He knew we couldn't go down into the depths of the earth. He sent a son who basically did both, right? Came down from heaven, died, rose again. He, he came that we might be set free, that we might have new life in him. It, uh, it's the kind of thing that even at this stage of life, I'm looking at it going, there's a fair amount of mystery here that I still don't get. Why did he make it happen this way? In some ways, that almost seems too simple, doesn't it? In some ways, that you, you look at it and go, why, why did he choose to, to implement his salvation this way? I'm not sure. I just know that he did. And it's up to me to, to embrace that with my heart and make that declaration. But that's also the power that we take with us when we go and speak to others. Because for some reason, this declaration that Jesus is Lord, this declaration that Christ has brought our salvation, opens up the doors in others and allows a heart to be changed and to respond. He says, uh, if, I, if I find... Uh, for their, Okay, how then can they call on the one who they've not believed in how can they believe in the one who they've not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. Right? Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. The word of Christ being presented gives opportunity for others to respond to him. What an incredible thing. This is core to what we believe. But it's an awesome, awesome thing. Now, if the word of the Lord, or word of Christ, is in you, the question is, what is he saying in you tonight? If the word, if the Spirit of God has been implanted in you, 
What is he saying in your heart tonight? Because it's, it's ongoing, right? It, it's not this one-time experience, but it's, it's entering into this relationship again. And so we have opportunity to listen and hear. We have opportunity to respond and know that we're doing what he asks. We have this privilege of him setting our hearts right. In our uh, prayer group, I was asking the guys to pray for me because I have some decisions to make that are very natural decisions regarding this spring and, you know, some land things and stuff like that. But there's a belief in me that God is going to give me what I need. He's going to give me the wisdom I need for the moment because he has promised that he'll speak to me. And as I walk in faith in him, I know that I can trust him with these things. Well, that's kind of simple, and it's not everybody's issue. But you have your own things, right? You know, if, if you're in school and there's questions going on, and you're, what am I going to do, and how am I going to... You have the right to ask. And because of Christ bringing and opening the door of the Spirit to you, you have the right to anticipate God giving you answers. So the question is, what is he saying tonight? And I'll leave you with that. And ask the worship team to come back. What we have is more or less open-ended worship from this point on. I just want to pray that God's blessing would be upon you. Lord, I thank you for this night, and I thank you for your scripture that speaks life. And I thank you that there's something inside of us that responds when we hear from you. There's something inside of us that responds when your scripture is, is read and it, it comes alive in our hearts. And there's a knowledge that you are addressing us and speaking to us. So I would pray for each one here tonight that as they're wrestling with the issues of life and questions about life, that you would bring answers to their hearts and speak life again. Thank you for that privilege that we have in you.